Welcome everybody back to the Simple Truth Podcast. Today we're going to be in episode number seven, talking about life. There's a few things on my heart that I want to talk about in the podcast today. Coming to the point of life, the, the life that Christ has come to give us, and the life that we can expect, the life that we are empowered to walk in, and the truth of that in our lives. Because again, the point of this podcast, going back to kind of the vision that was put forth at the beginning and the things that I've talked about is that there have been things that have been confused in the Christian life, right? Whether it's because of the influence of the culture and the world around us or whether it's even coming through religious structures or tradition in the church or just thinking that's been, um, yeah, propitiated through the church and we're going to try to tear down those lies and bring the simple truth of the gospel, the simple truth of the word of God into our life because that's where true life comes from and we'll see that today but today we're going to start in John 10 verse 10 and there's been I don't remember who said it but somebody said that John 10 verse 10 could be the gospel wrapped up in one verse there's John 3 16 there's other verses that you could probably use as well but John 10 verse 10 is another one of those verses where you can just see the entirety of the gospel in it. And it says this, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So John 10 verse 10, Jesus is making clear that the thief, the enemy, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus came, to give life and to give it more abundantly, to give it in abundance to the full, life to the full. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And we're going to see today that it's not just a, a waiting until heaven thing, but this is actually life that we can experience here today in the world that we live in. Even though we are not, I always mess this up, even though we are not, of this world we are in this world yet the life that jesus has come to give us is life that we can experience today and let's just go straight to that john 5 jesus says in john 5 says for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them even so the son gives life to whom he will for the father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. But most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, it now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment, also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So we see here, I want to pick out verse 24, even though all of this is so good. It says, He who hears my word, hears the word going forth, just like you're hearing the word now, and believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life. Whoever hears the word, believes it, has everlasting life, and will not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. 
So Jesus says, if you've hear, heard my words and you believe in me, you believe the Father sent me, you will not come into judgment, but you have already passed from death to life. You've already been born again. You've already been renewed, right? I feel like I hit this every time, every every episode, but maybe there's a reason for that. It's just the renewing of the spirit within you and the realization of that, because I think there's just been a missing in that, a missing of the new life to expect in Christ. And so that's what we want to talk about today. The life that we have in Christ, the life and life to the full, the abundant life, the life that has already passed. We've already passed into this newness of life. If we've heard and believed that Jesus is the son of God. All right. So then we establish that Jesus has come to give life. God has come to give life. And then we establish also that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9 says this, Be sober, be alert, be vigilant, be so sober of mind, be temperate. All of these things, right? Just think clearly, basically, is what he's saying. Because your adversary, the devil, he goes around walking about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. But resist him, steadfast in the faith, steadfast in believing, steadfast in the hope of Christ knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, so we, our job is to resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. And James also talks about this in James 4. So there is a devil, there is a devil, and there is a good God. God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. So we just need to establish that. But sometimes that's crazy, people get it mixed up. They get it mixed up, they think God wants them to suffer they they think god will give them disease give them pain all of these things give them i don't know whatever but bad things they think god will give them bad things but god isn't a god who gives bad things now am i saying that you're not going to go through suffering no you it's actually to be expected in the christian life that you might suffer now i think here in america in the U.S. of A, here, I don't think there's really much suffering that happens. We, we live in a great country that has a lot of freedoms, and we're not persecuted. There's been little hints and tints of it. But at this time, when all of this was happening, when the, the gospel was being born and going forth into the world, there was a lot of pushback from Jews, from Gentiles, from people who were physically tormenting the Christians at this time. And so there was a lot of suffering for the name of Christ. But you see, even in their suffering, they had great joy. They still preached the gospel because the gospel would go forth when there was great suffering and persecution, right? So there's a, this balance. There's this weird place where we live in now where, and it's going to come where there's going to be more persecution, tribulation, all of these things. But the time we have lived in now, in the past 50 years, there has not been much persecution against the word of God, active, physical suffering for the word of God, right? And if you can't see that, then I don't know what to say. But really, we've been free in this country to practice Christianity, to live a life of Christ, to believe and confess that Jesus is Lord, to preach freely. We have freedom of speech, freedom to preach, freedom of religion. All of these things are established in this country. Now, that's not the same in the rest of the world. And so there are brothers and sisters in Christ across the world right now being suffering, persecuted, killed for faith in Christ. And that's suffering. That's suffering for the name of Christ. So I'm not saying that suffering doesn't exist. 
or that it doesn't even exist in our life because we we can see here that the enemy has come to steal kill and destroy he has come to make us suffer like he hates humanity humanity we are made in the image of god we are made in his likeness we are sons and daughters of god right especially those of us who have received christ but the devil doesn't really care he'll make as many people suffer as he can right because he knows that the end of his time he's going to be suffering and torment forever that is his destiny and his goal is to take as many people with him as he can because god loves people god loves humanity god loves us and the devil hates us the devil hates god he's already lost the battle he knows the war is already over but he wants to take as many people from god as he can right so he's come to steal kill destroy but god has come to give life and life to the full so we see that it's the enemy who goes about roaring like a lion seeing who he can devour but we can have the possibility we have the power to resist him steadfast in the faith steadfast in the faith knowing what we believe speaking it believing it acting in it that's what faith does it believes it speaks it says no i'm not going to bow to the ways of the enemy i'm not going to give in to the, these thoughts whatever it is that whatever temptation that the enemy tries to throw at you you say no you speak against it you speak the word of god and you act on it you believe it if you truly believe something you'll act on it right so that's what it means to have faith, to walk in faith. All right, so the James 4 verse 7 says the same thing. Submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you resist him, resist his schemes, resist his plans, resist his temptations, he will flee from you. But you also, there's another part to this, submitting to God. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. All right, so we need to submit ourselves to God. There's a humbling of ourselves, lamenting and mourning and weeping for the things we have done, cleansing our hands, purifying our hearts, and fully submitting to God, drawing near to God, and he will draw near to us. As we do that, if we, as we humble ourselves, let go of the things of our own mind, and submit ourselves to God, to his word, draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And it says at the end, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up out of that misery, out of that suffering, out of the, the gloom, right? But there is a first step of humility, humility, humiliating ourselves, humbling ourselves, there's the right word, and coming to the Lord, coming to him, repenting of sin, turning away from our old way of thinking and turning to new life in Christ. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't just saying, Lord, forgive me. It's actually an active act of turning away. It's a 180 degree turn, turning away from the old and turning into the new. And repentance, there's a big part of repentance that happens when you give your life to Christ, if you didn't grow up in the church especially, right? But even as we grow up in the word, grow up in the spirit, we mature as believers there's things that the Lord will bring to our life that we need to repent from. There's always a purifying, a sanctifying in our lives, right? And so it's just recognizing those things when the Lord brings them to our attention. The Holy Spirit has come to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so when he convicts us of those things, convicts us of them, we repent, we turn, we, we follow the word, we follow the spirit, what he's saying, what he's leading. All right, so there it is.
If we submit to God, if we draw near to him and resist the devil, he will flee. So we can turn away from the, the ways of the world, the ways of the enemy, and we can turn to God. He will draw near to us if we will draw near to him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? All right. So, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm suffering. I don't feel good. I don't, like, I'm struggling with mental things. I'm struggling with physical ailments, all of these things. Why is that, like, why is that happening if I believe in Christ? How, why am I suffering, right? Well, I believe a big part of that is sin, right? Another thing that has not been preached much in the church is a turning away from sin and a turning to righteous living. So now we're going to go to Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through his baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has any dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is writing here, and he says, How have we who have died to sin, right? Because that's what the giving of our life to Christ, we talked about that last week. When we give our life to Christ, we no longer live. We should consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. That's how we are to consider ourselves. We are to consider ourselves dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. I am dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. I am dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. That's how we should think of ourselves. Because a lot of it, like even psychology will, will back this up. If you speak something out and you believe it, if you say that I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ, you will start dying to sin and you will start being alive to Christ. There's power in your confession. There's power in your words, right? And the Bible talks about that all the time. James has so much to talk about the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. So the power of life is in the tongue. You can speak life or you can speak death. God spoke the world into existence through the power of his words. He didn't act on it. He didn't have to do anything. He just spoke, and it was. And God made us like him. So our words actually carry weight. They carry power. The things that people say, there's, there's spiritual power behind words. Jesus said that the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. So they're not natural words, and they're not dead words. But the words of God, this word, this living word, they're spirit and they're life words. 
So that's why we speak the word of God. When we speak the word of God, we speak spirit and life. Praise the Lord. But Paul is making it obvious that we, we our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we might live new lives, no longer be slaves of sin, because we've been freed from sin. If we died with Christ, we'll also live with him. Right? And just as we saw Jesus say that we can walk into that new life even in this, this world. All right. There's a newness of life. There's the newness of life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we should also walk in newness of life. There's a new life. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. You are no longer your old man. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself alive to Christ and dead to sin. That's the purpose of Christ's coming. Right? A lot of times we just see this this death, this salvation of Christ as well Jesus died and he raised to new life. So I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to receive eternal life, which is all correct. There's nothing wrong in that. But there's also more to it, which says that you must also die to sin. For the true fruit that you died is new life. The true fruit of a seed going into the ground and dying bears fruit, bears new life, right? The parable of the seed and the sower. Jesus said that there's going to be seed sown into the earth. And the seed is the word. When the word goes forth, it might fall in a place of good soil. That's where we want it to land, right? Where the heart is prepared to receive the word and receives it with joy it grows deep roots, it grows itself in the word and the love of God, and then it grows up, it matures, and it bears new fruit so that more seeds might be planted. But there's also seeds that fall in thorns, who bear, who receive it in joy, but are choked out by the tribulation and the trials of life, right? They're not learning to resist the devil, to flee from the things of the world. They haven't cut down the lies in their life, the, the lies of the enemy, and so they get choked out by the things of the world and the enemy. Or there's those who receive it but they don't get rooted and grounded in love they don't get rooted and grounded in the word of god they have rocks they have stones preventing them they have a stony heart preventing them from reaching into the new life from from being rooted and grounded in love okay and then there's some seed that just gets stolen by the enemy that as as the hearing of the word goes forth that they get lies they don't believe all of those things so there's different circumstances but we want to be good soil that as the word of God goes forth, which Jesus said is there are spirit and word or spirit and life words. When we receive those words, when we read the word of God, we want it to be able to bear fruit in us. And that means that some things have to die in us so that we can bear new fruit, new life. We can grow up. We can mature in Christ. That's newness of life. We are raised to new life. All right. So that's Romans 6 newness of life no longer slaves to sin but instead slaves to righteousness sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace the favor that god has given us has given us power to walk out of sin grace isn't the the okay to sin the exception to sin grace is the empowerment to walk out of sin it's the favor it's the power of god it's the gift of God that we might receive the new life, be led by the spirit and walk into new life to walk in, in the grace because the law condemns the law 
was given that we might recognize our sin, but grace was given that we might have the empowerment to walk out of that sin, to live a new life in Christ, to receive the same life that he received, the same spirit that rose him from the dead now lives in you, now lives in you, that same spirit. We are to be alive to Christ. All right. All right. John 5, 21. We were there. But now let's look at 38, verse 38 through 40. Hmm. We're going to go, yeah, I mean, we could go through all of John 5 almost. Let's start instead at John 5 verse, or this is John 6, no wonder why. John 5, 38 through 40. It says, you do not have his word abiding you. This is Jesus speaking to the people. I'm not exactly sure who, but he's saying you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. All right? So he's saying to these people who knew the word, they knew the scripture, and they thought that in the law, just as we finished talking in Romans 6, that they could have life through the law, that they could complete the law, that they could live righteously through the power of the, of the law. But Jesus said, I am actually that fulfillment. I am the word of God brought to life. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they, this word is which testifies of me. I am the sacrifice. I am the fulfillment of this word. And I am here, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So they're trying to follow the word in their own strength. And you will see that that never works out. You see the Israelites, they had the word. They had the law of God. They had the perfect law of God. Yet they couldn't live in it and neither can we. We can't live up to that because there's sin living in us, in our flesh, that needs to be crucified, and we need to receive the spirit of life. And that's, that's the sacrifice that Jesus came to give. We're not, or he's saying, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So life is found in the Son. When our spirit is reborn, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are reborn. But they were not willing to come to him because they wanted to do it in their own strength. All right, John 6, 33 says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus proclaims himself as the bread of life. Who comes to me 
will never hunger. He will never thirst, he who believes in me. Praise the Lord. Verse 46. Verse 47. We'll do verse 47. He who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus is using this analogy, right? Because we know Jesus isn't physical, literal bread, right? Even though we use that to remember him through communion, all these things, which is good. But Jesus is trying to show them, just as he was just talking in John 5, that you think you search the scriptures, right? You know the, the stories of the scriptures and you think that that gives you life. But there's only life found in me. That's the point that Jesus is bringing through in these chapters. So he's saying, I am the bread of life, right? Which just sounds like a weird statement to just say, I am the bread of life. But Jesus is using the scripture. He's using stories, right? When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God sent manna. He sent them manna. He sent them bread from heaven that gave them physical nutrition, right? And he kept them through the wilderness, even though they were disobedient, even though they were unruly, they didn't follow God, even though they could see him in a cloud by day and a fire by night, they still weren't submissive. They still didn't obey the Lord, right? They turned to other gods, they turned to other ways. But Jesus is now saying, I'm that fulfillment, I'm the fulfillment of the scriptures, Yet you do not believe in me uh, because I am the bread of life. I am the true bread. I am the one that brings true spiritual life. And whoever will come and eat of me, right, in a spiritual sense, whoever will come and drink of me will receive life and life to the full. You will never thirst. You'll never be hungry. You'll never need anything else. <laughs> Jesus will satisfy that deep thing within you that longs for something more, that longs for life, that longs for truth. Jesus is the answer. That's what he's saying. I'm the bread of life. I will give you true spiritual life. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. You may eat of me. You may partake of me and not die. He will live forever. You will live forever if you eat of this bread. And the life he gives is for the life of the world. But the people don't understand. Verse 52 the Jews therefore quarreled among them, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they're not seeing it the way that Jesus is presenting it. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats of my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. <laughs> so Jesus tells them, right? He, he even pushes... They say, we can't understand this, but he pushes it farther. He pushes the analogy farther, right? 
He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have eternal life. I'll raise you up at the last day. My flesh is food. My blood is drink. It's true. It's spiritual food. He who eats of me and drinks of my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, right? As the Father of life sent me and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. There is life in Christ. He who eats this bread will live forever. He who eats this bread will live forever. Hallelujah. And then jumping down to verse 63. This is something that I just quoted already, but it says it is the Spirit who gives life. And it's the Spirit. This is what I want to talk about too. The Spirit. The people can't understand this, right? Even though they know the Scripture. Even though the, these teachers, the Jews... The religious leaders, they know all of the scripture that Jesus is fulfilling right in front of their faces. They cannot see it. And I believe it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit to help them. When you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are caught up in the natural mind. You're caught up in the natural way of thinking. But God wants to take you into the spirit because he is spirit. And the words that he speaks are spirit and life. Those who worship him must worship it in spirit and truth. So there's there's just a coming out of the flesh and out of the mind and into the spirit where we need to trust and have faith in God, in the Holy Spirit that now dwells within us, something we can't see, something that can't be scientifically proven, although it seems to be getting close. But <laughs> either way, the spirit is there and the spirit gives life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The fleshly the carnal mind profits nothing there's no spiritual life that you will find there the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life they are spirit and they are life and even the disciples answer him at the bottom verse 68 they say you have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and know that you are the christ the son of the living god they have the spiritual words of life and so the holy spirit has come to teach us these things. And whenever we run out of understanding, whenever we hear things in the word, just like the people heard Jesus speak in this time, we need not, we need to not harden our hearts to the word. We need to not harden our hearts to Jesus because we need to know that the words that he speaks, their spirit, their life, and their truth. And it's the simple truth. But the simplest things will go over our head if we try to understand it in our carnal mind. But it's the Spirit who will reveal these things to us. And this is exactly what 1 Corinthians 2 says. And I know we've touched on this in a previous episode. But I just feel that this needs to be brought up again. The Spirit searches all things. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, not the understanding of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us God, by God. And a lot of that is a spiritual knowing, which sounds weird, right? A spiritual understanding, a heart understanding. There's times in the Bible where it talks about understanding with our heart, which is not how we normally think about knowing or understanding, but there is a spiritual knowing. There is a revealing of the word of God that will happen in our spirit. 
there's a revelation knowledge that isn't a natural knowledge, right? It can't be studied in the textbooks and understood and even how the Pharisees and all these people wanted to understand it. There's a spiritual knowledge that comes and it's faith. Faith is a believing in the things that we cannot see. It's a believing almost just in the spiritual realm, but specifically believing in Christ. Because when we believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, like that's, that's something we can't see. But we know it happens because it produces an effect in us. So everything we do in the Christian life is something that we should, we're doing in the spirit. If we're not doing it in spirit and in truth, then nothing's really happening. If we're just studying to build up our mind or knowledge to like debate and all of these things that just don't lead to any life or any change in the world, right? And we've seen that for years now where there's been all of these things, all of these splits and all of these, but none of it is true spiritual life giving life. I don't know. It's like you run out of words to say to explain it because there's just not words. But the Spirit of God, now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. We might know the things that have been freely given to us. There are things that have been freely given to us. That these things we should also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. You might have the greatest communicator, the greatest wisdom of man, man up front, who knows everything. You think of people even in the past who were great orators or tellers or understanders or ways that they could even explain spiritual things in their mind, yet they could be having the worst kind of life. They could be living the worst kind of life, doing the, the worst kind of things because they didn't actually have a Holy Spirit leading and guiding renewal into newness of life. So we can't just lean on man's understanding. But we must learn to trust the Holy Spirit teaching. The teaching that comes from God. The knowing in the Spirit. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Right? That's why Jesus used all these parables. Because without a spiritual understanding, you'll never understand them. That's why Nicodemus was so confused when Jesus says you must be born again. This is why the Jews are so confused when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood like that just goes right over your head if you don't have the spiritual understanding because it says here the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for their foolishness to him right a lot of what jesus said if you just read it naturally sounds like foolishness nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned so we need spiritual discernment which comes from the holy spirit he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So through the Holy Spirit, we receive the mind of Christ to understand the things that Jesus said, to be able to understand his words, to be able to understand his teaching, so that we might obey his teaching and truly walk in that life and truly love him, as we talked about last week. All right. I hope that all made sense. If it didn't, 
Ask Holy Spirit. Go over these verses. 1 Corinthians 2, John 5 and 6. And just go over these things and ask Holy Spirit to teach. We're going to end with just a couple verses Verses. in Colossians 3. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. All right. So we have the call to set our mind on things above, not on things in the earth. For we died, and our life is hidden with Christ and God. Right? So I'm talking about this life that we are to receive, this life we're to enjoy. And it's something, like we were just talking about, that just can't naturally be seen. Right? If you can see the fruit of somebody's life, then you might see it naturally. But the life that we have in Christ, it's hidden in God. Right now, it's not revealed to the world. And that's why there's such a disconnect between the sons and daughters of God and the sons and daughters of this world. Because there's something, there's a new life within us that can't be understood or under, understood by the word or by the world. Because they don't have that spiritual discernment. Right? Without the preaching of the word, without the going forth of the word, faith cannot be built to receive. And that's how all of us came into the kingdom. We heard the word of God spoken. We heard the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we believed that word because the faith was built and to receive that salvation. And with that came life and life to the full. So now we're dead and we're, our life is there, but it's hidden with Christ and God. So sometimes, even when it doesn't seem like it, feel like it, look like it, your life is hidden with Christ and God. You have a new life. And when he appears, when he comes back, that true life will be revealed. Then you also will appear with him in glory. So there's a glorious life within you. If you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there is a glorious life within you. There is a glorious spiritual body which has already been born within you. And it will come to new life in Christ. And there's, just, there's things to experience there, right? There's, there's a natural wall right now. Whereas we live in these natural fleshly bodies where sin lives and dwells, right? Where the temptation of the enemy can come. We still have the power to resist it, to live in, in the spirit because the spirit of God is living within us. So right now we're in an active battle. That's why we resist the devil and submit to God. That's why we crucify the flesh and live by the spirit. That's the call of the word. That's the call of God upon the Christian's life. It's to walk out of those things, to walk in what the, we naturally walk into, and to instead, by the faith and the trust and the reliance of the Holy Spirit, walk into the things of the Spirit, that we might speak the word of God, that others might be have their faith built to receive this same life that we've received. And when Christ appears, he will reveal that true life to us. We will no longer be bound to these physical bodies but we will be true and spiritual bodies. We will be true and spiritual beings. And those who have received that true life will be separated from those who have not. Some to eternal life and some to eternal judgment. So, yeah, I just want to offer to you today this life. Maybe you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but you feel like you have never stepped into the life that Christ has given. 
and you see the word, you've heard the word today, and you've realized that there's a life in Christ that you have not fully walked into. Even though you believe, even though you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're born again. There's that renewing of the mind. There's a stepping out of the natural and into the spiritual that needs to happen where the word of God will come alive. And so I want to pray for you today, but also I, I, I commend you, I exhort you, I encourage you to go to the word, to go to God, to ask Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit that is within you to reveal the word of God in a deeper level, to take you out of the flesh, to give you the strength to resist the enemy and to walk into the things of the spirit. Maybe it's you just ask Holy Spirit to baptize you, to find somebody who you can talk to. If you would like to reach out to me, please do it. Please do it in whatever way you can find to reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care. I love you. Jesus loves you. And he wants true spiritual life. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this to prove a point. I'm doing this because I have found true life in Christ. And I want everybody to have it. Because he's given it for everybody. It's available. It's there. So please reach out. Find somebody who you know is living the true spiritual life. There's a lot of people who will talk about it. Who will preach about it. And like, who will even preach and talk about it opposite of what I've talked today. But you need to find what the word says. And you just need to find what makes sense, right? It doesn't make sense that Christ would come so that we might just suffer more or that we might just have a punch ticket to heaven. He died for so much more than that. His power, his blood is so much more powerful. There's new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit says in the word, the same spirit that rose him from the dead, that new life that he received when he rose from the dead, it now lives in you. So you now receive that same new life in Christ. It's there, it's available. So just come to the word, come to the spirit and just ask for this newness of life and walk in it daily, right? Because there, your flesh isn't going anywhere. So the temptation will still be there. But as you walk more and more into the things of God, into the things of the spirit, the things of the word, those fleshly desires will die. You will crucify your flesh. That's taking up your cross. You take up your cross daily. You, you nail those things to the cross and you walk with Christ. Amen. So let me just pray and then we'll close out. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray life. I speak life over every individual listening to this podcast. I pray that you would fill them with the fullness of life. Lord, that if they've received you as Lord and Savior, no matter what their life has looked like, I pray for the newness of life right now. I pray that you would put this knowledge within their hearts that they have received the spirit of life, that your desire is for them to have life and life abundant, to walk in the newness of life that they would consider themselves alive to Christ and dead to sin. Lord, would you do this work within them? Holy Spirit, bring us closer to your heart, closer to the truth, that we might sanctify ourselves, set ourselves apart, and live holy and righteous and blameless in your sight. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your spirit that empowers us, for your grace that empowers us to walk out of this sin. We thank you for the sacrifice you made on that cross and that you were raised from the dead, that we might raise to new life with you here and now and forevermore.
We praise your name, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we do this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining today. I enjoyed doing this one. This is good. Love you all. See you on the next episode. Thank you.